Welcome back to Plotting the Red Sox, bloggingtheredsox.com podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Campbell, and today I'm happy to be joined by Chris Mason, Patriots beat writer from MassLive.com. Chris, thank you for joining me today. Uh, how are OTAs going and the rest of the NFL season going for you so far? Sure thing. Thanks for having me on. Um, OTAs has been good. Uh, it's, it's nice just to be back down at Gillette and have something to watch. You know, the offseason can get pretty – I mean, it's always busy, but there's just not a – not a ton of places to go, not a ton of things to see. So, I mean, it's awesome just being back there. But, uh, you know, OTAs at this point, they're still like T-shirts and shorts, half speed. You know, people read a lot into them. And, like, training camp is really when things start picking up. So, before you started covering the Patriots, you covered uh, the Red Sox, correct? Yep. I was uh, I covered the Red Sox for three years at the Eagle Tribune and did some uh, Red Sox work before that with the Herald, too. So just in general, like what got you into sports journalism and why the switch from the Red Sox beat to the Patriots beat in uh, 2019? It's probably around like 12 years old. I realized that uh, I was not going to be a professional athlete, but I love sports. So what's the next best thing? Right. And I've always liked writing. So it's just something that uh, fit pretty naturally. I'm sorry. What's the second question? Uh, Just the switch from the Patriots. I mean, from Uh, the Red Sox beat to the Patriots beat. So football is always my favorite sport. You know, I played it in high school. But when that Red Sox job opened up, it was like, yeah, I will absolutely apply for this and cover baseball because, you know, I, I like baseball too. But uh, when I saw a Patriots job open, I was pretty uh, – it, it was a good fit at MassLive, and I was happy to uh, jump at that. And just one of the key differences and maybe, like, covering a team for a newspaper and then, like, online, like, for MassLive. I mean, it's crazy not really having deadlines anymore, like print deadlines. That's something that I dealt with at the Herald and at the Eagle Tribune, where like, you know, the paper needs to be printed. So it's got to be stuff has to be done in a certain time. And now, I mean, it's still imperative to get things up quickly, right? Like, especially when you're just at a website, you know, the first time a story is written, it's going to do like way better than if you're like the eighth person to post something. Um, So that's definitely been different, but, uh, you know, still trying to, work quickly and uh, intelligently. And uh, what would you say the key differences are between covering a major league baseball team like the Red Sox and then a national football national football league team like the Patriots? Because, I mean, they're both obviously very popular in their respective areas. Yeah, I'd say definitely the schedule is the most different thing. You know, baseball, 162 games. Most of them are at night. You know, your game's just like one after another, whereas, you know, Football covering an NFL team is the closest thing you're ever going to get to like a nine to five type job as a beat writer. And it's still not nine to five. Like, and it, the hours are weird. Like during the season, Tuesday is my day off, but it's cool. And then the, the access is different too, just because covering baseball, you have so much time in the clubhouse, like clubhouse is open from like, well, it was before the pandemic open from like three 30 to four 30 every day. And then you can talk to guys after BP, like, and they're all around. Um, so that's definitely different. And then just uh, like, how would you describe the grind between like the baseball regular season versus the off season and then the football regular season versus the off season? I mean, football off season is a lot busier. Just there's always stuff happening. And I think that's kind of the nature of the rosters being as big as they are. But as far as like the baseball off season, it changed radically too. Just when like the winter meetings, like it was suddenly like that was always supposed to be like the big week, right? And then the free agents started getting frozen out and like stuff wasn't happening until like JD Martinez signed in February and we were already down at spring training, right? Like it's the baseball season's just gotten so much slower in that regard. And since making the switch from the Red Sox to the Patriots beat, uh, would you say the way you watch both uh, teams have changed since then? 
Uh, definitely. And I mean, I think it, uh, like it gradually changes over time too. Like the more into a team, like the longer you're covering a team, the more details you'll notice, right? Like by my last season <clears throat> on the Red Sox beat, I had baseball savant open for every single game because I was really curious about like exit velocities and like how many um, sliders a pitcher threw on a certain day, as opposed to like, honestly, starting on that beat, it was just kind of different. You know, I was still like getting used to it, getting my feet wet, like watching for the major things instead of the minor things. And uh, how would you describe like the way you watch the Red Sox now? Is it like more of a fan, like casual way, or are you still like, do you still like pick up those habits you uh, picked up all on the beat? Uh, still like the same way. Yeah. Uh, the fandom really like wears off once you start covering teams, like as a journalist, you know, like I, I don't care who wins. I just root for, uh, root for storylines and quick games and stuff. But, uh, I mean, I still like last night, that game was awesome. I had baseball savant open. It was like watching it that way, but just like definitely casual and like can mix in a beer or two now. <laughs> you mentioned the pandemic earlier. Uh, so, I mean, I have to imagine that kind of like the 2020 season was going to be your first on the Patriots beat, right? So I imagine the pandemic kind of disrupted things there. Oh, absolutely. Um, and the stadium, like no fans being in the stadium never got normal. Like it was weird all year. Um, but the pandemic definitely altered like the way we really, everything's virtual, obviously. But even like I, I didn't travel to any road games. I was going to go to all 16, but there's just no point to travel, right? Cause you're not going to really get anything extra that you're not getting from the zoom press conference and watching on TV, which like understandable, but also kind of sucks. Uh, was it more or less compelling to cover a Patriots team that was like not particularly good last year and like the pandemic impact the way you covered the team at all? So it's interesting. I feel like for a long time, like the most interesting day for the Patriots was always Sunday. It was game day, right? Like where you're not getting a ton of stuff during the week from players, you know, Bill, is Bill in his press conferences, but then like the game rolls around and it's like, okay, how's Tom Brady going to dissect this team? Right. This year for the first time in a while, I felt like the games themselves, like there were some that were pretty dull, but the storylines during the week were fascinating. Like is Cam Newton going to start again? Or even like the COVID storylines and all this stuff. Like it was super interesting, like just week to week and like actually going through playoff scenarios and like, Oh, there's a path to make it. Like they have to do it this way, as opposed to like, well, the season really starts in like the divisional round of the playoffs, right? Like, so it's definitely different in that regard. The season on the horizon, what are your expectations for the way the uh, Patriots will allow you to cover them, like in terms of uh, access during the pre and regular season? So I saw, I think it was a Washington Post had a story that they're planning on keeping locker rooms closed through the preseason, which is terrible. Like, there's no other way to put that. Like, I always get my best stuff in locker rooms and talking to guys and building relationships and not being able to do that. It's like, it's tough. We don't really get like one-on-ones right now. So it's like, if you think you have a good question that you want to ask a player in like a story that you want to write, if you want to write it now, you have to ask it in front of 30 other reporters that are also on the call. And then if you get a good answer, it's like, well, everyone's writing your story now. Great. Uh, do the Patriots not have like a way for you guys to request one-on-ones with players? Uh, they, they didn't really last year just because they're all coming off the field at the same time. And there's only so many interview rooms they can use like virtual interview rooms. And like, it, it is like a handful for PR. So it's been, yeah, pretty difficult. Things starting to turn, uh, go back to normal just a little bit. Uh, you were one of those who was at a uh, Femway for the Marlins Red Sox game this past Monday, right? The makeup game. Yep. 
So I was at the first game. They were letting uh, you guys back on the field for BP and stuff. It was, yeah. But that uh, the Red Sox actually didn't take BP that day just because they'd come in so late from New York and it was a weird like five o'clock start. So I think Corey told them like just be at the ballpark by two or whatever. But yeah, they're definitely down there now. Like, and it, it's certainly more normal, you know. So, but like, it wasn't like um, it wasn't like a, a comparable to like being there in 2018 or 2019, just because like you mentioned, like the team was uh, off the field before the game. Yeah, yeah, definitely still different. Definitely still feels pandemic-y in that regard. But it was cool to have fans back there, man. Like big moment, like the crowd starts roaring. It was definitely like something that's been missed. Uh, do you think the teams will let writers back into the dugout anytime soon? Or do you think it will be like a uh, football in that regard? I mean, it's especially tough for the Red Sox because they haven't gotten to 85% vaxxed yet. So there's, they still have a ton of extra precautions too, where like they're still masked and everything. So I don't see that. I, I doubt that'll change this season. And just how do you think sports coverage will change in general, even uh, as the pandemic uh, comes to a close, hopefully, like um, the potential for no more uh, reporters in the locker room, or maybe like everything will just be in a group setting, like you mentioned, where you, like one player answers to 30 reporters. Yeah, I mean, I really hope it goes back to normal. You know, that's the fingers crossed. But I mean, I think they've also seen that like teams have seen that they can do media in this way and like the world didn't stop turning or anything. So I hope it goes back to normal. That's just <laughs> locker room access is so crucial. Uh, how would you compare building relationships to baseball players and football players? Like baseball players are probably a little more busy in season because they're playing almost every day. Whereas um, a football player might have like a little more free time on their hand in the middle of the week. I think it's kind of the opposite actually, where baseball players have a ton of time during the day because they're at the ballpark at like one for a seven o'clock game. And so that like three to like three thirty to four thirty clubhouse window, a lot of them are like, some will go take BP after that. Some are doing some cage work, but a lot of times they're just hanging out there, you know, like, uh, so it's easier to like strike up conversations in that regard. The thing with the Patriots locker room is like when we had access to it, there's still people that like you never see in there ever, you know, because they know when the locker room's open to the media and if they don't want to talk to the media, you know, they're just going to like stay in the other room. I, I remember I saw Jamie Collins one time who really didn't like talking to the media opened the door and yelled to one of his teammates to get his cell phone because he didn't want to go to his locker. And so like his teammate just brought the phone over to the door and then he walked out. Anything like that in baseball where a guy doesn't want to talk to the media, he'll hide out too, or a little bit more difficult with Fenway since clubhouse is a bit smaller. It's a little more difficult, but I mean, David Price boycotted local media for a while and was very vocal about doing that. So, I mean, people just didn't really talk to him for a while, but there's ways like, you don't have to talk to the media. Like there, there's definitely ways to like, you know, just avoid it, not really do it, but you know, most guys seem to like it. So. How would you compare the differences in how um, Bill Belichick and Alex Cora go about uh, addressing you guys? Cause obviously Cora, former media member himself, he's a bit more savvy in that regard. I would say, whereas Belichick is a bit more uh, stubborn to put it bluntly. <laughs> yeah. They're very, very different personalities. And it's, different too like pregame like press conferences with baseball managers are so laid back a lot of the time that like the manager might like especially for away games like they usually do um pregame availability just in the dugout and sometimes managers will just like hang out after like he finishes his media and just you know chats it up with the media and sticks around for a while and it's just like oh did you see this yada 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 you know it's definitely more like relaxed than i mean obviously Belichick's press conferences are 
pretty legendary for what they are. <laughs> Have you ever had like a Belichick moment where he like glances at you, gives you a cold stare or anything like that? Uh, not really, just because, I mean, I was only on this beat for like two normal months before, uh, before the pandemic hit, you know, like I started in uh, November of 2019. So I just had the last two months of that season. Uh, so no, I, I haven't had one of those with him yet. Did have one of those with John Farrell, but different, different. <laughs> was it the Craig Kimbrell one or is that something? No, it's different. Uh, one time he said that um, he had said that Hanley, it was the year that Hanley didn't want to play first base. And he had said, and was like saying he had a shoulder injury. And he had said that like, no, like two weeks, we expect Hanley to be at first base. So like two weeks later, Hanley was not at first base. And I asked him about that and he did not. It, it was a pretty cold interaction. <laughs> uh, you mentioned leaving the Red Sox beat for the Patriots beat in the fall of 2019. Was there any part of you that wished you were still on the Red Sox beat when the whole Astros thing broke and then Cora left the team on uh, January, 2020? I mean, yeah, you feel like you're kind of missing out, right? Just because like you covered the scene that closely for a long time. And then I don't know, it's like, uh, it's like being a kid and, watching all your friends go out to recess and you're just kind of like sitting in your desk because I don't know, you did something. <laughs> so they're all like, yeah, it was crazy. And I'm pretty good friends with Evan Jarelic who broke that thing. So uh, yeah, it was wild. I'm sure he has some David Price stories too. Sure does. <laughs> I was there the uh, in New York when Price screamed at him that time. And just in that same regard, was it um, a little bit like fair missing out as soon as like Heim Bloom took over? That was around the same time you'd left for the Patriots beat. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because Dave got fired, what, that September. So, yeah, it, there's definitely you definitely feel kind of weird watching it from the sidelines and everything. But uh, and like I still have, get like Red Sox story ideas all the time. And we'll just like text them to our mass lab guys now and be like, hey, if either one of you like wants to knock this thing out, here's something that I noticed. And I think they're pretty good about being like, yeah, thanks. We'll, we'll do that. Like, thanks for telling us how to do our job, Chris. Like we, we, we've got this, <laughs> but. It's a little confusing with, uh, I mean, the two Red Sox guys are named Chris. So does it get a little confusing? Oh yeah. ChrisLive.com here. It's, it's not too bad for me. I've always, people have always called me Mason, like my whole life. So it's funny. I'm at the point in my life where like I hear Chris in like a crowd or something and don't even turn around. Cause I assume they're not talking to me. <laughs> And when you were uh, at Fenway on Monday, did it feel like a bit like, I don't want to call it like an out-of-body experience or anything, was it weird writing like game stories about the Red Sox and like transcribing Cora's presser? Yeah, it was super weird. Um, just like kind of like stepping back into an old life for a day. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I mean, the format's definitely different too than when I was at the Trib and like writing different things. But yeah, it was sort of like like a weird, like bizarro day but i was happy to do it yeah, i imagine like after the games especially like on the weekends it's probably like uh more like a laid-back environment at fenway maybe than gillette considering like you're in the city whereas at gillette you're like it's not the middle of nowhere but it's not obviously in the city like in boston it's kind of the middle of nowhere <laughs> like for a sports stadium and it's different too yeah I, you're, you're spot on with that and like I had a lot of friends on the Red Sox beat who like after we covered a game, it's like, Oh, do you want to go like grab a drink at the bar and like hang out for a while, you know, just because they're all right there. You know, it's not like after a Patriots game gets over. I mean, first of all, you end up writing so much after that game, those games, because you know, there's only so many of them. So you're probably there for another three or four hours. And by like nine o'clock on a Sunday night, no one's really like, yeah, let's all go to like bar Louie and Patriot place right now. <laughs> Everyone kind of just wants to go home. 
how'd you compare the amenities uh the red sox press box has compared to the gillette stadium uh, press box uh gillette is much better um but it's it's a lot easier for them because it's six well like eight home games as opposed to 81 right <laughs> well i see you tweet a lot about like spending money at vending machines so would you say <laughs> you spend more at fenway or gillette uh oh way more at fenway i would just like I got into a routine too, where I was just so ambitious with like my dietary choices where I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go to sweet green and get a salad tonight. And that's what I'm going to do. And then by like the sixth inning, I'm so hungry. I'm like, why did I do that? That's not enough food. Like, <laughs> let's go, let's hit up the vending machine for a couple of bags of Cape Cod chips. And then just the cycle repeats itself over and over and over. You mentioned how you had plans to travel with the Patriots, uh, like on the same schedule as the Patriots last year, but that obviously didn't happen because of the pandemic. Do you have any plans to do that this season now, or maybe just like keep it local? No, I think we're doing all games again, which is awesome just to get back traveling. I was so bummed that last season got washed because that road schedule is pretty sweet. Like I've never been to Seattle and really want to go. They had the Seattle game. There's a week in California because the two LA games were like a Sunday, Thursday. So I would have just got to stay out there for that. But what can you do? Uh, here's like another random question, but is there like a event on the NFL schedule calendar comparable to the winter meetings or is that like because i know there's like owner meetings but i'd say the combine is the most similar just uh like everyone's there it's like all football people there's a ton of coaches there like everyone for like a week a random week in february like indianapolis becomes like the spot <laughs> um and that's you know like the winter meetings where agents gms execs everyone's out you have any weird like winter meeting stories where you were like at a bar or something and a story broke and you had to like go to your room to write about it? Uh, not really, but I've gotten to the point just in life where I bring my backpack everywhere and just have my laptop in it because like that's the nature of these beats, especially the Patriots beat where it's like stuff could happen at any time. And it's like, it's funny. It's, it's almost like a running joke with me that like, if I bring my laptop somewhere, nothing's going to happen, which is great, you know, because then I can just enjoy my Friday night and do like, whatever. If I don't bring it, then something's going to break and I'm going to like have to leave. And like, <laughs> so it just, uh, it's like a, a part of me now. And uh, transitioning to some more sports related questions now, uh, do you think the Patriots will finish this season with a higher winning percentage than 2021 Red Sox? Ooh, it's a good one. Uh, yeah, I do think so. I think they'll. I think they're looking at like eleven and six or so, which the Red Sox could finish close to that. But I don't think. I think they're going to come in a little under. And it's one of those things where, like, at some point, you kind of expect the other shoe to drop, right? Like, but it just hasn't happened yet. Like, they're still playing really good baseball, but it's like almost everything has gone right for them thus far. Still, like, especially with the pitching staff, man. Like, if you were to say, look at like Erod's stats right now and say the team's going to be where they are, you'd be like, huh? Also, like, Tanner Houck's been in AAA the whole time, and, like, those guys all feel like they're overachieving, and I don't know, maybe they're bound to come back to earth at some point. I mean, Perez obviously got hit hard the other night, but even covering, like, the Pavetta game on Monday, like, there are a few sliders that he hung that was like, how did that not get hit to the moon? But it's working, so, so yeah, I would go with the Patriots there still. It's funny, I, uh, I still, they still let me do preseason predictions at Mass Live for the Red Sox, like with the Red Sox guys. And I picked them for 86 wins. My boss told me I'm being a homer. He's like, they're not going to win that many games. It was like, I haven't been third place at 86 wins. I think that's reasonable, but they might exceed it. They should. Are you a fan of the 17 game NFL schedule? No, no. I mean, I think it's going to 18. It's just a matter of when, you know, like regular season games. 
yeah, I think eventually they're going to get there. Like 17 is such a weird number and like, yeah, I, I think it's really just a long game to get to an 18 game season, but you can't jump from 16 to 18 without the union, like having a huge, huge fight. So yeah, I, I think we'll see an 18 game season, probably about like 20, 30 or so. And uh, do you think the Red Sox will still be playing by the time the Patriots take on the Texans in Houston on week five of the NFL season? I was going to ask about the Bucks, but uh, they, the Red Sox play into October this year. So with that October 3rd game, they play the Nationals. That's the final day of the season, I should say. What's the date of the Houston game? I believe it's October 10th, something like that. Mm, I'll go with yes, just because – I think they'll probably be a wild card team. And if you have Chris Sale make that wild card start, if he comes back and everything's good, then I think you probably win a wild card game because like if he's himself, you're not gonna like that's the thing. He's gonna be the best trade deadline acquisition they could possibly have, you know. Just getting a healthy Chris Sale back is better than anything that's gonna be on the market. But I mean, there's always an if, like when it comes to Tommy John surgery, and maybe he's not right right away, not till next year. A lot of times, like it's two years after the surgery that guys are really back to themselves. So that's a really long way of saying, I think they could win the wild card game. You think Sale be more effective as a reliever out of the gate or every five days, even if he's not himself? <clears throat> I think you want him every five days. Like he's, he's too valuable just to use as a reliever. And especially like, he's not even going to be your most important reliever with Barnes pitching the way he is. So, I, I mean, I think, I get if you want to, if you're stretching him out and want to give him like a three inning like stint instead of just him doing like a three inning sim game or something like that, I, I'd understand. But uh, I, I think he's just too valuable to keep in the bullpen. And you mentioned how you had the Red Sox finishing with 86 wins this year. They've already won, I uh, believe, like 38. So uh, what, what would you say like your prediction for the remainder of the season is in terms of uh, do you think like still third place finish or maybe a little better than that now that they're overachieving? It's funny. It's like water always finds its level. Right. And it's like, I don't know if they're this good or in like, are the Yankees that bad, but they have been that bad for like, we're almost mid June now. Right. Where <laughs> it's not like a couple bad weeks. It's a couple bad months. So maybe I'll bump them up to second place. I give them 90 wins now. Uh, this is kind of just out of the blue, but uh, the NFL draft versus the MLB draft, obviously in the NFL draft, guys are contributing right away, whereas the MLB draft, guys might take a few years. But if the Red Sox were to say to take one of those Vanderbilt pitchers this year, could you see them contributing like out of the bullpen like this summer, this fall? I think it's a lot to ask for a kid to go just from, from Vandy to the big leagues. So I, I would say no. I just – think they're going to need more seasoning and Heim is someone that's not very uh not very big on like skipping levels with prospects and I think you're seeing that with Duran right now right where you could rush into the big leagues and like the Red Sox do still need a leadoff hitter and he's very fast and like creates problems on the bases and really fits that profile but they still want to see more from him developmentally do you know why Mac Jones is wearing 50 by chance at OTAs uh, it's just Bill and rookies. They're all wearing something between like 50 and 70. He just doesn't want rookies to care about numbers and things like that. So he always just gives them absurd numbers. Do you think Mac will win the job at all this year or is that Cam's to lose? It's definitely Cam's to start, but I could see Mac pushing him. Like I think he's, I think he's a pretty intelligent kid. I think he'll pick things up quickly. I would guess like I, I looked it up. I think October like is a sweet spot for him to like get the starting job. They have a stretch of like bad passing defenses they're going to be playing against. And like, 
I think I had my pick is like I think October 24th is the Jets game. I mean, I think that would be a really good spot for him to debut, um, especially against the Jets. I mean, if you want a soft landing, you're not going to get one softer than that. What do you think the future holds for Jared Stidham? He kind of seems to be like in no man's land purgatory right now. Yeah, I think he's trade bait. I think that he's someone that is like stuck. He is stuck in purgatory here. And, you know, maybe a fresh start, maybe somewhere else he's, you know, gets a real shot. But I think last December showed you everything about how the team feels about him right now, where like he didn't get a start. They were mathematically eliminated and he still did not start a game. So I think that was really a referendum on Stidham and like what they think of him. Right. And uh, last question for me, we're about three months out from the start of this regular season. Uh, your prediction for the 2021-2022 Patriots just in terms of record, performance, standings, anything? Uh, I got them at 11-6 and six and a wild card team. I think you'll see a playoff game, but I don't know how deep a run that is. I think a lot of it depends on the quarterback position and whether Mac develops and takes that starting job. Because I think we saw that uh, Newton's ceiling is just – you know, not what it was in 2015. It's, it's straight up not. So, but I, I think that Belichick did a really impressive job rebuilding the roster on the fly. And I mean, obviously free agency was so uncharacteristic for him, but like the roster had so many holes last year. Like it was almost impressive that he won seven games with that group. If you just looked at like from the wide receivers, the tight ends, like even the like front the defensive front seven like flew under the radar a lot because the offense's issues were more glaring but they could not stop the run like teams would just run all over them Miami did that late in the season so I think he really addressed a lot of those issues now the biggest question mark is quarterback which is obviously a massive question mark but yeah I'd, I'd go 11-6 in a wild card team did you ever believe that they were going to trade for Julio Jones because at least to me that seemed kind of far-fetched it did but I mean, this whole offseason has been kind of far-fetched for Belichick, right? Where, I mean, from spending like what, over $200 million in free agency to drafting a quarterback in the first round for the first time ever. It's just one of those things. It's like it's it would seem out of character, but the whole offseason was out of character. So I guess it wouldn't have surprised me. And uh, Julio is wearing number two for uh, the, the Titans. Are you a fan of the whole new number rules? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like him. I know Tom Brady doesn't, but, I mean, I think from – like an outsider's perspective, like, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Like I, I like the numbers like that in college and stuff And you know, like why not? So were you a fan of like Alex Verdugo wearing 99 and uh, Adam Adovino wearing number zero for the Red Sox? Oh yeah. I love weird numbers. I think people take numbers way too seriously. So I, I do like, yeah, the zero is good too for Adovino. It's just like, it's funny. Um, it's on brand for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. He's, he's pitched well lately. But yeah, I, I, I like weird numbers and I'm a big hockey fan and those numbers are always like ridiculous too. So, you know, Yarmir Yaga was one of my favorites growing up and you're not going to get a more random number than 68. Sidney <laughs> Crosby wears 87 because of his birthday. Fun fact. <laughs> sure does. All right, uh, Chris Mason, thank you very much for your time today. You can follow Chris on Twitter at ByChrisMason and read his work on the Patriots, Red Sox, and other teams by checking out MassLive.com. Chris, thank you again. Awesome. Thanks for having me.